This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. We're now just days away from the referendum, but there's no shortage of misinformation about what an Indigenous voice to Parliament could actually do. Throughout this campaign, Guardian Australia's political reporter Amy Ramikis has been sorting fact from fiction. There's a lot of people who are getting all of their information from Facebook or TikTok has been really huge in this referendum, as well as, you know, Instagram and Twitter, which they're not getting any input from mainstream media sources. And they're not getting any of the information fact-checked either, unless they happen to come across a social media fact-check. So if you're still deciding how to vote, or you're trying to help your friends and family cut through the scare campaigns, we've got you covered. Today, fact-checking the major fibs around The Voice. It's Thursday, the 12th of October. So, Amy, this is the first referendum we've had in Australia with social media out in full force. How has that affected this campaign? Oh, it's uh, affected the campaign just just so, so much in ways that I don't think we truly have a handle on because social media is talking to people that we're not. By and large, a lot of it has just been, you know, people's feelings about the referendum or just straight out misinformation that is just being spread like wildfire across the social media sites. And I just don't think the Yes campaign was prepared for how much misinformation was out there. Mm. No matter which way you're voting, you should be voting on the facts and uh, they have been pretty hard to come by this referendum. So let's try and cut through some of that misinformation. What, What are some of the most troubling and damaging pieces that you've seen throughout this campaign? One of the biggest conspiracies that I have heard is that The Voice is going to be able to essentially disrupt parliamentary proceedings so much, and this is a conspiracy that is not based in any single fact at all. But the idea around this particular conspiracy theory is that the government won't be able to pass any legislation, so the conspiracy goes, and then the crossbencher that The Voice has chosen according again to the conspiracy, will be able to go to the Governor-General in some made-up way, in some process that does not exist, and say, make me Prime Minister and I will be able to make the Parliament work. That is impossible. It is impossible under Australian law. It is not based in any single piece of reality. There is no way under Australia's constitution, under any sort of subclause, under any sort of implied clause, that this could ever happen. The Prime Minister is the person in charge of the political party that has the most seats in the House of Representatives. There is no way one independent crossbencher could ever wrangle enough support to make them Prime Minister. It cannot happen. Throughout the campaign, Full Story has run a podcast called The Voice AMA Podcast, where we take listeners' questions about The Voice and we put them to people on the yes and the no sides. Our team on that podcast have selected the top five most damaging and pervasive pieces of misinformation about this referendum. Let's talk through some of those, Amy. The first one is that The Voice will lead to a quote-unquote land grab for Indigenous Australians. 
This is an old furphy. This is one that goes back uh, decades about anything that comes with native title, anything that comes with Indigenous rights, anything that comes with equity. We're not even talking equality here. You have this fear. Let me just show, show your viewers that this, this shows 78% of the land mass of Australia coloured brown on this map. If you go back like a couple of decades, you could even find former Prime Minister John Howard before he was Prime Minister. He went on television around the time that they were making the Mabo decision and he held up a map of Australia and he said this is how much of Australia is under threat if this decision goes through the courts. Now, the Labor Party and the Democrats are effectively saying that the Aboriginal people of Australia should have the potential right of veto over further development of 78% of the land mass of Australia. Like, that is not how native title works. That is not how the law works. That is not how any of the decisions around Mabo were going to work. And the idea that the voice is going to, you know, be able to give Indigenous people the power to come into your backyard or to claim ownership over a piece of property, again, is just a furphy. We have heard this so many times and it has never actually eventuated. And so you have to ask people, why do you still believe that this is something that could happen? Is there an element of guilt here where you think, oh, hey, this is kind of how we took the nation in the first place? Or is it the fact that that this is the most scary thing that you could imagine happening, that you just think mm. this is so terrifying that this is absolutely going to happen despite all the evidence that there has never been a single property, a homeowner who has had their home taken over by an Indigenous person because of Indigenous native title or even anything that The Voice is proposing. Like, people still have that fear and that's been at the heart of all of these misinformation campaigns. Another piece of misinformation that you hear a lot is that the voice will increase taxes. <laughs> it is impossible for the voice to increase taxes because the voice has no power to set laws. It has no power to set taxes. It has no power to tell the government or the parliament what it has to happen. It has no veto. When you look at how our parliament is set up, not even the Senate can increase taxes. That's just the way that the Constitution's built, baby. So the only way that you can get a money bill through the Parliament is if the House of Representatives agrees to it, and that's the government. So the House of Representatives is ruled by the party that has the most number of seats in it. That's your government. Sometimes there is a minority government, so that is the party with the biggest number of seats plus some crossbenchers who have agreed to give supply and vote with the government on issues like money. And so every single time the Senate goes, hey, we should raise the rate. We should look at doing this thing that's going to cost some money. We should maybe tax the rich. Every single time that happens, if the Senate passes it, it has to go back to the House of Representatives and the House of Representatives goes, this was not our idea. No, we don't like it. And that bill is gone. The voice doesn't even have the power to put a bill into parliament to have taxes increased in the first place. So this is not something that could ever happen under Australian law. Hmm. Well, let's move to number three. What would you say to someone who says that a voice would divide Australia by race by inserting race into the constitution? 
I would say maybe um, go back and have a look at some history books because the Constitution was pretty much built on race. It was pretty much part and parcel when that document was created in 1901. And in fact, we've had to amend it to make it not as explicitly about race in a negative sense. Mm. Section 51 of the Constitution and Section 25 of the Constitution already include racial elements to it. It's already built into the document. The voice is not about race. The voice is not about putting race into the Constitution. The voice is about acknowledging Indigenous people giving constitutional recognition to Indigenous people because that's something that the Founding Fathers, you know, neglected on purpose to do in 1901. And it's also saying this advisory body cannot be scrapped by future governments. That's all it's doing. Mm. We have scrapped every single other advisory body. And so now we're saying put it in the Constitution so you can't scrap it. It doesn't give any specific powers to Indigenous people. It doesn't raise Indigenous people above other people within Australia. It doesn't make them the supreme beings of Australia. That's not what it's about. Putting the advisory body into the constitution is just a way of Indigenous people saying to government, we always want to be heard on these things. Mm. You will not have the power to scrap our advisory body, but you can build the advisory body any way that you want to. So future governments will always have to listen to a voice, but it doesn't have to take the advice of the voice. I mean, future governments could decide if this thing gets through the referendum. They could decide to reduce the number of people in the voice to just one. They can do anything that they want to as long as they have the parliament's approval to the voice. Mm. Having it in the constitution, though, is just a way of making sure that the structure, the voice, always exists. That's it. Next, what you're actually voting for on Saturday. On social media, you also see a lot of people saying that the campaign for The Voice is just a communist ploy. What do you make of that one, Amy? Well, I mean, if The Voice is a communist ploy, then uh, big business suddenly is probably going to find themselves labelled communists because they get to advise on policy regarding their business practices all the time. They're currently advising government uh, on the IR policy that the government wants to put through. We have like big forums and summits that include all of the big business leaders where essentially they get to sit down and tell government what they think should happen in relation to jobs and treasury policies. I'm not sure if they're, they're considered communist. Every piece of legislation that goes through the parliament has to have a look at whether or not it's going to impact on regional communities negatively. And I'm not sure the nationals would ever consider themselves to be communist just because they like to have advice on the regional impact of bills through the parliament. I mean, this idea that advising on a policy is suddenly going to turn Australia into some sort of communist state, again, is just frankly ridiculous because we advise on legislation and bills 
every single day on this place. The only difference with the voice is they're saying that, hey, if it's in the constitution, you always have to get the advice from us. That's it. By having it in the constitution, it always has to exist. So people always have a place where they can give consultation, they can give feedback, they can give advice. And again, it is up to the parliament to decide how much of that advice they take on board, just as they do with every single other advisory body or person who submits uh, advice to the government on policy for every other range of policies and legislation that we have. Hmm. Earlier this year, volunteers on the No campaign were given scripts by Fair Australia that were revealed to include misinformation about The Voice, including that it, quote, undermines our one-vote democracy. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, this is, again, another furphy that has pretty much existed from the time that the Uluru Statement from the Heart was put forward. I mean, we had coalition MPs at the time saying that this would be a third chamber of parliament, which was never true. Uh, We had that sort of, you know, take off and spread. And that has now led to this entire thing that it's going to give Indigenous people more votes in the parliament, more representation than other people and, you know, everything else, which again, it is not true. I mean, you can look at some people on the coalition side, like Julian Lisa, who is a constitutional conservative. He's not somebody who, you know, you'd ever say would be a rebel when it came to the constitution. He is, he's voting yes because he's like, it's constitutionally sound. There's there's no problems with it from a constitutional point of view. In fact, he thinks it's liberal values to have an advisory body like this because he thinks that people should be in charge of their own destiny, that they should have some say in things that happen to them, which is what the parliament is about. The parliament makes laws for all Australians, including Indigenous people, but those laws don't always land as they should because we don't have all of the experience that we need in the parliament to absolutely say how this policy may work. So even if you go on the side of, well, politicians are making policy that's well-meaning for Indigenous people, it doesn't mean that it's actually going to work in practice, which is what The Voice is about, is trying to make sure that those laws, those policies work in practice from go. But what we have seen during this referendum campaign and all of these mistruths and misleading claims that are being put forward, and some of them are straight up lies, all of that seems to be hinting that we are well down the road towards this more American style of politics than perhaps we thought we were. Because a lot of what we're hearing in the voice referendum campaign, a lot of it has started in America when it comes to, oh, you can't trust the voting system. You're, you know, elevating one group upon another. This is mm. this is a way that, you know, you're going to have communists start to infiltrate your government. This is a way that you're going to have elites stamp down on you. All of that has come from this really binary, divisive American Trumpian style of politics. And we're just seeing the fringes of that picked up, placed in Australia and applied to the voice campaign. So, Amy, we've talked a lot about what The Voice isn't today. Can you help us recap what it actually is for people who are voting this Saturday? The truth about The Voice is that it is an advisory body to the parliament that is controlled by the parliament. That's it. Your representatives will be able to make amendments to The Voice 
the question you're being asked is whether or not it should sit in the constitution as an idea that the voice always has to exist. That's the truth of this referendum. So the question is a proposed law to alter the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. Do you approve this proposed alteration? And you write yes or no. That's it. That is your job. Because the question is not about what the voice is going to look like. The question is not about the details of the voice. And a lot of people have raised that too, just saying, you know, it's outrageous that you're asking us to vote on something without knowing the detail, to which I would say in every single election that you've ever voted in, you vote on things without knowing the detail all the time. People put forward policy platforms where they say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this home policy. They don't show you the legislation because they can't, because you don't have the legislation until you're in the parliament and there's been consultation and everyone within the parliament has a look at it and say, hey, this is what the legislation should look on. And then they vote on it. That's the politician's job to build the legislation. Your job is to tell the politicians whether or not there should be this advisory body in the constitution. It's not going to change Australia's democracy. It's probably not even going to be something that most of you notice because parliamentary processes go through different changes every single day and it happens without most people noticing. The voice is going to be exactly the same. It's just if it's in the constitution, you can't scrap it. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. That was political reporter Amy Ramikis. You can find her article that fact-checks misinformation on The Voice at theguardian.com. We'll post a link to that and some articles which fact-check the yes and no campaign pamphlets on the full story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Phoebe McElwraith, Karishma Luthria and Joe Koning, who also did the sound design, mixing and composed our theme music. The executive producer was Hannah Parks. Don't forget to subscribe to Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave us a review. It really helps us find new listeners. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.